What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, Wednesday, December 2nd. Hopefully, all you guys have had a nice, enjoyable, productive, and successful week up until this point. Hopefully, you guys have an even better rest of your week. Hopefully, all you guys are doing good out there, staying safe. Of course, we're still dealing with coronavirus, man. Please wash your hands as much as possible. Please wear a mask whenever you are out in a public area or public space. And of course, I'm going to continue to say this. If you have any type of sunlight around you, if the sun is shining wherever you are at on the globe, go out and get some UV rays, aka sunlight, on your skin because I promise you the sun kills all viruses and the coronavirus is not excluded from that list. So go out and get you some sun on your skin. I promise you it helps. But hopefully all you guys are doing solid. Motivate somebody today, inspire somebody today to do better for themselves, to want better for the world, and just continue to try and get better each and every single day, man. I know it probably sounds repetitive if you listen to my podcast daily, but it's important, man, to try and be the best version of yourself. You got to actively work on yourself each and every single day. So I hope you guys are putting that towards yourself and just grinding and making the most of every single day that you have a chance to live and get better because every single day is indeed an opportunity, man. But of course, we're still demanding justice for Breonna Taylor. We're still demanding justice for Elijah McClain. And we're still going to demand justice for anybody that has been a victim of police brutality or even worse, police murderings. It simply needs to stop. It has gone on for far too long. The racial injustices, the social injustices, it has gone on for far too long and it needs to stop. But with that being said, again, hopefully all you guys are doing good out there. Let's get into today's topics at hand. So today I want to recap the Champions Classic, which of course takes place every single year between Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, and Michigan State. Those are the four programs that are featured in the Champions Classic every year. And usually these games are played at a neutral site, which is, you know, sometimes, you know, it's in Chicago. It's supposed to be in Chicago this year, I believe. Um, mostly it's in Indianapolis. I think last year it was in New York when Tyrese Maxey exploded for like 26 points. But of course, with all the craziness, with all the uncertainty surrounding coronavirus, Duke actually got a chance to play a home game against Michigan State. On the other side, you had Kansas and Kentucky playing at a neutral site at Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana. So that happened. And so I just want to get right into it. So let's start with the first game. Going into this game, I actually picked Michigan State to win, which of course they did by a score 75 to 69 in Cameron Indoor Stadium, of course, with no fans. Now going into the box score real quick for Duke. You had Matthew Hurt score 21 points and, and grab 13 rebounds. You had Jalen Johnson with 11 points. You had Jamin Brakefield with 11 points. And you had Jordan Goldwire with 10 points. For Michigan State, you had 20 points from Rocket Watson, 2 assists. Aaron Henry had a phenomenal game. We're going to talk about him a lot. He had 14 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds, 3 steals, and 3 blocks. Joey Hauser added 11 points and 10 rebounds. I believe that's his third double-double of the season. Julius Marble was a surprise X factor of this game off the bench came off and scored 12 points and Malik Hall also came off the bench and had a big time performance scoring 10 points and 10 rebounds. Now this game started off as poorly as you could have ever imagined. If you are a Michigan state Spartan fan like myself, we literally started off terrible. We did not adjust to Duke's pressure or we did not handle Duke's pressure defense that well. If you know, coach K, if you know, Duke basketball, Coach K's defense is based on pressuring up on the ball and playing a little bit in between help side. If you're not guarding the ball, you got to stand in between your man, the ball and your man. And literally, it's like you have to beat it. 
with isolation. And Michigan State did a good job of doing that after a certain amount of time. But in order to beat Duke's pressure, you really have to be good at scoring isolation buckets. I know a lot of people were talking about how good of a passing team that Michigan State is. And we are. This is one of the best teams passing-wise that Coach Izzo has ever had. But... With Duke's defense, it literally just forces you to be a one-on-one player. And luckily, we had a player by the name of Rocket Watts that knew how to take advantage of that. But so, regardless of the fact, we started off shooting one of eight from the field, five fouls, and three turnovers. And it was just our defense looked kind of undisciplined. They were hitting us with backdoor cuts. They were just playing better offensively. But I had a feeling that that wasn't going to maintain. And luckily, it didn't because realistically, the run that Duke went on to start the game it should have been a bigger lead than what they had it. I think it was probably like an 11-point lead, 12-point lead, or something like that. It should have been like 14 to 15 to 16-point lead. And so I knew that Michigan State was going to claw back into this game because a 40-minute basketball game is just too long. But the key for Michigan State to get back into this game and make it a competitive game was, one, Aaron Henry, two, Julius Marble, and three, Malik Hall. Aaron Henry, man, I cannot say enough about Aaron Henry. From his freshman year to his sophomore year to now in his junior year, he looks like, first of all, he looks like he added, like, healthy weight to his body. He looks like a tank. Like, he looks like he's the strongest he's ever been in his life. And not only that, but the way he was just playing offensively, even though he wasn't knocking down shots or jumpers like that, he was getting to his floaters, he was getting to the rack, and he was just doing a little bit of everything. He had a nice pass to Joey Hauser where he pretty much got caught up in the corner. He threw the ball to Joey Hauser real quick, and he kind of blocked out Joey Hauser's man and gave space for Joey Hauser to let the three go, and Joey Hauser hit the three, and that was his first three-point make in a Michigan State uniform. And just, he does the little things, man. He's such an excellent captain. And it's stuff like like that. Like, he's a, a stat sheet stuffer, but it's the little things. Like, it was a play where he wasn't even in the game. And we realized that Duke was switching every single thing on defense. I don't know why they did that because they were putting their big man at a disadvantage when it comes to Michigan State's point guards. And that's why Rocket Watts was able to have a fantastic game. But it was a play where Aaron Henry was on the bench. And he was standing next to Coach Izzo. And he was coaching the same way that Coach Izzo coaches from the sidelines. And I was just like, oh my gosh, we have another leader on this team. This team is going to be phenomenal. But just the way that he was playing. And Malik Hall. Malik Hall came in and did a great job of not only running the lanes in transition. Of course, he had that big time dunk that ended up being a flagrant foul on Joey Baker. But he played excellent defense on Jalen Johnson. And that leads me to my next point is Duke's offense, as young as they are, they still have veteran players. Do not get it twisted. I think they started like three freshmen last night and they still have experience. Like they have Wendell Moore, Matthew Hurt, Joey Baker is kind of a vet, even though he's played a little bit, he still plays some minutes. So like they have experienced players, but it just did not look like that. Like that's the shot selection from Duke was terrible. I'm not even going to lie. They shot, I believe they both teams shot a little bit worse than 25%. No team shot better than 25% from the three-point line. I think Duke shot like 21%. Like their shot selection was not good. The only positive outlook on offense that Duke could take away from last night's game and Duke fans for themselves was Jamin Breakfield. Jamin Breakfield played really good coming off the bench. I think he had a couple threes. He got to the rack one time. He got to the free throw line. Like he's a solid player too. So they really needed that production because Jalen Johnson, as good as Jalen Johnson is, I know he gets a lot of comparisons to Ben Simmons because he's 6'9", he's big, he's mobile, he's fast, he's good in transition, he's an athlete. But at the same time, Jalen Johnson, his jump shot needs a lot of work. And I mean a lot of work. His mechanics, his footwork when he shoots, he is not a confident shooting 
small forward. And I think probably Coach K was smart to play a smaller lineup. And so he pushed Jalen Johnson at the power forward spot instead of the small forward spot. And that helped out Duke tremendously. Even though they didn't win this game, Jalen Johnson needs to be able to shoot the ball better if Duke wants to be the best possible team that they can be this season. It's just point like point blank period that simple like he is not a good shooter as of right now luckily it was only Duke's second game of the season but still you needed him to shoot better like their shot selection was just bad all in all and also too Wendell Moore who's a sophomore now and should have taken a leap by now and DJ Stewart who's a freshman so we're going to give him a little leeway but combined those two guys started and they shot 0 of 16 think about that when you have two starters playing for Duke I shot 0 of 16. And give credit to Michigan State's defense. They were stifling for a majority of this game. Aside from like the first, you know, six to seven minutes, Michigan State's defense was on point, especially in going towards the end of the half and even more so in the second half. Like they were just locked down, man. Aaron Henry, Malik Hall, Julius Marble, and that's two. Like Julius Marble came in the game automatically. He came in the game, if you watch, I think his first bucket was when he caught it in the post and he just made a little flip shot. He had that bucket. He had another pass where Aaron Henry was driving towards the basket. He got cut off. And so he threw it to Julius Marble on the short corner towards the baseline on the right side. And he just knocked down the shot, lifted up and knocked down the shot. And really like Julius Marble, I'm so happy for Julius Marble because he's a sophomore. He didn't really play that much last year as a true freshman. He was kind of like in and out of the rotation, playing a little bit here and there, you know, deciding, you know, it was kind of like a a situational type of playing time for Julius Marble last year. Like if we were winning, you know, big or like if we were in foul trouble with our big man, but to see him come in and make a statement like he did last night, especially with that dunk that he had in the second half, I think that was the biggest play of the game because the things that he was doing, like aside from that, like playing defense and rebounding, but that dunk off the Aaron Henry pass from, you know, breaking down Duke's full court press was sensational. And when you're in an environment like Duke, even though they didn't have the camera crazies, the camera crazies would have helped Duke out. But at the same time, no, it's no excuse because Duke is at their home court. They they practice there. They practice at indoor, or excuse me, Cameron Indoor Stadium. I think sometimes, not all the time, but they do practice there. So they should have been accustomed to the rims nonetheless. But that dunk by Julius Marble was huge because without fans, and without your bench, really, you have to create your own source of energy. That's going to be a huge thing this college basketball season because fans do play a big-time part in college hoops. You have to be your energy. You have to be your own life source. And it's kind of always been like that when you're a team that's going on the road in a tough environment. But this year, more than ever, you have to be able to create your own energy. And that dunk by Julius Marble, was huge, and I, I cannot overstate it enough. I, I really think that was the momentum switch. I think that was the thing that switched everything for us. And in the second half, it was just really good basketball from us. Like, Rocket Watts, man, I said it as the game was taking place. Duke's guards, and nobody on, I'm going to just be like this, nobody on Duke can guard Rocket Watts. And I'm going to be honest, it's not that many people in the nation that can guard Rocket Watts. So I'm not going to just, you know, try to disrespect and put smut on Duke's guards' names. But at the same time, if you know Rocket Watts, and if you watched Rocket Watts play last night, you, you've seen his highlights, he can score from literally anywhere. And again, I'm going to say this again, Dukes, for some reason, I don't know what Coach K was thinking, but for them to switch everything is a huge mismatch and disadvantage for Duke because one, Coach K, you have a whole bunch of freshmen and they're inexperienced freshmen at that. So why would you have them switch on to other players that have been in college basketball that know how to take advantage of mismatches. That was your first mistake. Rocket Watts against Matthew Hurt 
was the biggest mismatch of the game last night. Matthew Hurt is not the fastest when it comes to his feet. He is he's slow with his lateral speed. And Rocket Watts is literally a rocket. His nickname is Rocket because he moves that fast. And so he was just taking over, man. And every single time he scored a bucket, it was big. And another big-time play was Aaron Henry again where not only he, he's, he's running the lane in transition. We get a stop on defense. He's running the lane in transition. Foster Lawyer gives him the ball. He takes probably two, maybe even three dribbles against DJ Stewart. He gets all the way to the right side of the rim with the, with the ball in his left hand, and then he scoops it for a layup on his right hand. And then on the next possession for Duke, on the defensive end for Michigan State, DJ Stewart tries to take a, a, a drive and penetrate to the rim, and Aaron Henry blocks the ball, and Foster Lawyer falls on it and calls a timeout. It's just like little plays like that show you just how valuable Aaron Henry was. And our defense as a whole for Michigan State was just sensational. Like, we put Duke in a lot of bad positions to try and score the ball. And that's going to be a big-time thing for Duke, too, because I looked at it last night. Like, I truly don't know who Duke's number one scoring option is. I know people want to say Jalen Johnson, but again, Jalen Johnson's jump shot isn't where it needs to be for him to be in isolation and go-to score. I personally think that you got to get DJ Stewart going. DJ Stewart is the best all-around scorer on this team. Even though Matthew Hurt had a really good game. Matthew Hurt had 21 points. He was, you know, killing pretty much. He he played probably the best out of everybody, even though he was kind of lackadaisical defensively. But DJ Stewart needs to be that guy because he can score from anywhere. He's not the best with his handle, but if you put him in the right situations to score, he will get you buckets. And so that's my biggest concern with Duke. But aside from that, like, you know, the team stats, Michigan State out-rebounded Duke 46-40. to um, They stayed pretty solid all in all. And honestly, they just look like the better team. Like, even, even though Duke came out with the early lead, it still looked like Michigan State was a better team. They had the more experience. Joey Hauser was shot ready every single time. Joey Hauser had a couple of difficult buckets. He had one in the lane where he kind of reverse pivoted. It almost could have been called a three in the key, but he made a reverse pivot at the last second and flipped it up with his left hand. He had a couple big time threes. And man, it was just a wonderful performance from Michigan State in general. I love the rotation that Coach Izzo made to start Rocket Watts and bring Foster Lawyer off the bench. And everybody that came in the game played good for us. And for Duke, you really just have to look at it at your shot, shot selection. Your shot selection has to be better. And that's going to happen when you're playing all these freshmen. But it's no excuses for players like Matthew Hurt, Wendell Moore, Joey Baker, Jordan Goldwire. I'll give him credit. He did play pretty good, especially on the defensive end. Um, he, I think he did hit like two threes. He had one at the very end of the game. And he had one big three to kind of keep them in the game kind of earlier in the second half. But nonetheless, you know, Duke is good. Duke fans, you guys shouldn't panic. You guys lost to a good team, a really good Michigan State team that I've been saying, and I personally had them as my number four ranked team in the nation. I think they are that good with all the defensive versatility that they have, plus the scoring that they have. Like Joshua Langford only had three points, and that's one of their best players, offensively at least, and he's their leader too. And so for them to go in there and secure that W and for it to be Coach Izzo's first W in Cameron Indoor Stadium, that's a big-time statement win for the entire nation, especially the Big Ten. Me, personally, I'm going to say it. Even though I'm a fan, Michigan State is the best team in the Big Ten. Point blank, period. But let's move on to the next game. So, of course, Michigan State, eighth-ranked eighth Michigan State beat Duke, um, sixth-ranked Duke by a score of 75-69. to 69. Michigan State is now 3-0, and and Duke is now 1-1. So, going on to the game after that, that took place right after Again, in Indianapolis at Bankers Life Fieldhouse with no crowd. It was zero people in attendance. Seventh-ranked Kansas, who had a record of 
one and one going into this game. And 25th ranked Kentucky, of course, is just coming off that loss against Richmond. They were one and one in this game. And so Kansas got a pretty good win, winning by a score of 65 to 62. Now, this game, as much talent that there was on the floor for this game, this was a super sloppy game. And I mean, super sloppy. Like, I was watching this like, oh my gosh, this is an ugly brand of basketball. It was almost as ugly as the start to the Michigan State Duke game, but that game picked up. But this game was just, it was erratic. It was a lot of up and downs in this game, but I guess that happens throughout the course of a basketball game. But nonetheless, let's get into the box score real quick. So for Kentucky, BJ Boston had 12 points. Davion Mintz had 12 points. Isaiah Jackson was very, very active. He had 7 points, 12 rebounds, and 8 blocks. Olivier Saar had 8 points and 6 rebounds. And Terrence Clark, who struggled in this game. We're going to talk about him and BJ Boston. Had 6 points, shot 3 of 11 from the field, and shot 0 of 3 from the 3-point line. For Kansas, Jalen Wilson had 23 points and 10 rebounds. He had a sensational game, easily his best game in a Jayhawk uniform. Oshai Abaji had 17 points. Christian Brown had 8 points and 13 rebounds. And Marcus Garrett had 8 points and 5 rebounds while dealing with a stomach issue. So, in this game, the start of this game actually favored Kentucky because Kentucky came out and was just hitting shots, hitting difficult shots at that. Olivier Saar did a really good job of establishing post presence. I got to give him credit. Even though he got into foul trouble and he only played 15 minutes because of foul trouble, Olivier Saar did what he had to do. Aside from getting into that foul trouble again, offensively, he was probably Kentucky's best player last night on the court. And he got into foul trouble and that hurt them because... Let's be honest, Kentucky doesn't have a lot of depth. They have players on the bench, but they don't have depth because they're inexperienced. Like the players that sub in for Olivier Saar and Isaiah Jackson are either Lance Ware or Cameron Fletcher and and Jacob Toppin. So those are all young players. But nonetheless, though, Kansas did a good job of also making it hard on Kentucky's big. Like, yes, Olivier Saar did have to work super, super hard to establish post position, but Kansas is a much smaller team, and they played pretty much a small ball lineup the entire game with Jalen Wilson playing the five, and David McCormick did come in and play a little bit, but for the majority of the game, Kansas played a small ball lineup, and to be honest, for most of the season, Kansas is going to play a lot of small ball. Their only true big man are David McCormick and Miss Lightfoot, and it doesn't seem like Coach Bill Self has a lot of faith in either one of those guys, even though those guys are both, I think, you know, upperclassmen, so that was kind of weird, but Early in this game, Kansas, and most specifically, Marcus Garrett, who I got to give him credit because he was dealing with a stomach issue, but he was getting to the rack. I won't say at will because Isaiah Jackson was such a force when it comes to blocking shots. Isaiah Jackson had eight blocks in this game, and he definitely boosted his draft stock. But Marcus Garrett, even though he doesn't have the best ability to shoot the jumper, he was getting to the rack and really making it easier for Kansas in the first half because Kansas struggled mightily in the first half. And give credit to Kentucky's length and their defense. Even though their defense wasn't necessarily stout, the length impacted and affected Kansas. And it made getting shots off in the paint harder than what it had to be because Isaiah Jackson is a force. Olivier Saar is another seven-footer. So they got length in the key. But with Marcus Garrett being able to do that, that freed open shots for Oshai Abaji that freed open shots for Christian Brown and they made Kentucky's defense pay every single time and really that I think that was the biggest thing for them and honestly I gotta admit that I love the play from Dewan Harris Dewan Harris is actually funny I watched him play a couple years ago on the EYBL he played for Mocan Elite shout out to Mocan and Dewan Harris 
was a red shirt. He came in last year as a freshman, but they decided to red shirt him. And so now he's a red shirt freshman this year. And they put him in the game. Bill Self put him in the game. And the Kansas coaching staff obviously trust him. And he made some big time plays. He was harassing Devin Askew. Like he was making life hard on Devin Askew. He had a couple big time steals that led to a Marcus Garrett dunk in the first half. He had another one, I believe, led to a, a Jalen Wilson layup or a foul. And so, like, he was just making little plays. He had a big time assist to Christian Braun. Um, and he was just doing little different things and really was a big time contributor in this game, even though it didn't show up in the stat sheet. He just does the little things. You got to give him credit for that because they don't need him to necessarily score or play make like that. But if he's able to, you know, create easy opportunities, that makes everything that much more easier. So shout out to Dewan Harris because he played an excellent game as a redshirt freshman in this game. He did a lot of good things. But really, another thing that got Kansas back into this game was one, their aggressiveness, but two, Kentucky fouling. I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is. Kentucky's young. I'm going to keep saying it. It's just the simple fact of the matter. This is one of the youngest teams that Coach Cal has ever had. And I'm not, when I say that, I am not making an excuse for Coach Calipari. Why? Because that is the way that Coach Calipari has decided to recruit. He wants to get the one and done players and put them into the NBA. But with that, it's going to come inexperience. It's going to come a lot of teaching moments. And we've seen it. It was a timeout in last night's game where he came onto the court and was showing Isaiah Jackson how to post up on a smaller guard. And it's little things like that that Coach Calipari is going to have to keep instilling in his team and teaching them to get better and to be the best possible team that they can be. But the way that Kansas was being aggressive in getting to the free throw line was huge because, again, they put Olivier Saar into foul trouble and Olivier Sartre was playing good until he got into that foul trouble and that created mismatches for Kansas on the offensive end and that's where Jalen Wilson started to really wake up because Oshai Abaji was really the only one you know putting up points on the board for Kansas in the first half but as the half started to get towards the end Jalen Wilson was waking up like Jalen Wilson started to really put on a show I think he had like 21 points in the second half and they were big time buckets like he had two threes he had a couple big time rack attacks I think he had an and one he got to the free throw line he was doing everything he was a monster on the deep on um, getting rebounds and securing boards like he had 10 rebounds and this is a dude who's 6'8 going up against Isaiah Jackson who's 6'10 6'11 and Olivier Saar who's 7 feet so you got to give a lot of credit credit to Jalen Wilson this is a dude who last year he broke his ankle he broke his ankle and so he had the red shirt he just like Dewan Harris is a red shirt freshman and so shout out to Kansas big time W and for Kentucky I know Kentucky fans again love to overreact because this game you know Kansas got to the free throw line again Kansas got to the free throw line they shot 20 and they hit 20 of 30 free throw shots so that's a lot of free throw attempts for Kansas and they made 20 of them that when you get 20 points off the free throw line more likely than not you're gonna win the game and that was really the biggest difference for me but for Kentucky the bright spots I'm gonna gonna get into the bright spots and then we'll talk about the things that need to be worked on the bright spots Jacob Toppin did come off the bench and play pretty solid his shot selection was iffy but he rebounds hard he can score in the post so that was pretty good Davion Mintz it's probably the, I think as of right now, Davion Mintz is the best shooter on this team. BJ Boston has not been able to find his jump shot. Terrence Clark is kind of struggling from there too, but Davion Mintz is the only person that I've seen on Kentucky be able to hit shots consistently. Hopefully, I, I believe full well that that will change as the course of the season goes on, but right now he is the best shooter. And lastly, B.J. Boston was pretty solid down the stretch. I think B.J. Boston was probably the main reason that Kentucky was still in this game with like the last five minutes to go. But 
talking about BJ Boston and Terrence Clark. I want to talk about both of them. Those two guys are the best two players on this Kentucky team. This Kentucky team is going to go as far as Brandon Boston Jr. and Terrence Clark take them. They are both 6'6 plus wings. I think Terrence Clark is about 6'7. BJ Boston is probably the same height. And they can score from anywhere. But at the same time, they have to realize that this is not high school basketball anymore. And what I mean by that is if you watch some of the ways that they were trying to score, because neither of them shot the ball good last night, even though BJ had 12 points, which is cool. Again, Terrence Clark has six points. The reason that they're not getting the shots off that they would like is because they're doing too much. In college basketball, the attention to detail compared to high school basketball is on such a different level that it's not even funny. Like, Kansas knew what B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark were trying to do. And what do I mean by that is they were dribbling too much. In college basketball, you only get about three to maybe maximum five dribbles before you can try and get off a shot and get off a good shot. In high school basketball, you can play like James Harden and dribble the ball 50 times in one possession and still get a bucket because you're the best player on the court. That's not always going to be the case for Brandon Boston and Terrence Clark on the college level and more importantly, the NBA level. But for college right now, they need to work on on just getting down the basics. Take two to three dribbles and get up into your pull-up jump shot and make the defense work. When you're taking all these different crossovers and handles and hesitations and all this different stuff, it's easier for the defense to guard because you're not really going anywhere with those dribbles because college defense is so strict. And Bill Self does a really good job, or whoever does a good job for Kansas' coaching staff does a really good job of coaching defense. And so, yeah, Brandon Boston did play good towards the end of the stretch in that game, but you need to be able to get easier jump shots than that. And then once you get those easier jump shots, that allows you more freedom to get the tougher jump shots to go down. Like if you watch the couple buckets that Brandon Boston Jr. had in the second half, they were all tough jump shots, but they only came off like two to three dribbles max, maybe four to five sometimes. After that, every time he tried to force a bucket, he was dribbling like seven, eight, nine times, and he wasn't getting anywhere. They got to be able to tighten that up. And really, Devin Askew, I know he's young. I know he should be a senior in high school right now, but he asked for this. He reclassified, and now no matter what people say, he is going to probably be the starting point guard for Kentucky for the majority of this season. And as of right now, he cannot afford to have any turnovers. No no point guard in the country can afford turnovers, but specifically Devin Askew, with the offense that that Kentucky has, as young as they are, they have not established themselves with their identity yet offensively. And that's okay because you're only three games into the season. I didn't expect you to be the most perfectly run offensive team in the nation. But when you're getting turnovers, that hurts you because you're not getting opportunities to get shots up. And you need every single shot that you can get. And luckily... For Kentucky, they were able to stay in this game, but as you saw in the second half, Kansas's experience, Kansas's veterans were too much. Poised, they were poised, they were patient, they knew exactly what to do, and they weren't rattled at all. Like every time Kentucky went on the slightest bit of a run, and Kentucky only went on like two to maybe three runs throughout the course of this game, Kansas responded right back, and they had no problems clawing back and getting the lead right back. And I think the biggest play of the game. The play that hurt Kentucky the most in this game was Olivier Saar missed an easy, and, I, and, and Dickie V said this, shout out to Dick Vitale, the GOAT, a legend to me. Olivier Saar missed a putback dunk, and Kansas got the rebound, and it ended up, I believe, ending up in either a Christian Brown layup or a Jalen Wilson layup. Nonetheless, 
That's a four-point swing, and it gave Kansas a two-point lead, and Kentucky came back to tie it, but little plays like that, you just can't afford. Like, there's no way Olivier Saar, being as tall as he is, should miss a put-back dunk like that. And I know it happens, but in that moment in time, you needed that bucket because your team was struggling to get a bucket at that point in time. But for both sides, I'm not really worried. Like, for Kentucky, I'm still not worried because the talent is there. It's just about putting it together. It's about getting acclimated to the college basketball level. It's not easy. It's not high school basketball where you're dominant, you're the best player by far than everybody else on the court. You have, and you're going up against counterparts that are just as good as you, and you can't waste time. You got to get to it. Every single bucket matters. And luckily for Kentucky, they have a lot of talent. And for Kansas, this is a big time win. I ain't going to lie because, yes, Kentucky is young, but Kansas... It's kind of young, too. Even though they have veteran players like Marcus Garrett, Oshai Abaji, Christian Brown, um, David McCormick, they have veterans. But they do have a lot of youngins, too, from, again, Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris, Tyon Grant Foster, who did not play a lot last night. And I was kind of shocked that he did not play because, to me, I think after Oshai Abaji, Tyon Grant Foster, who's a Juco transfer, is the best scorer on this Kansas roster. And also, Bryce Thompson, who's a five-star freshman, barely played last night, too. And he's a really good bucket getter, too. So Kansas has a lot of things that they should be happy of. They fought hard to get back into this game. And Jalen Wilson, man, had the best game of his career so far. So give him a lot of credit. Nice win for Kansas. Again, this final score ended up being 65-62. to 62. Kansas is now 2-1. and one. Of course, they had the one loss against Gonzaga to start off the season. Or I think that started off their season. And yeah, the first game of their season in Kentucky is now 1-2. and two. But again, Kentucky fans should not be nervous. I believe full-heartedly that this team will put it together. It's just going to be... It's going to be that Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston have to have serious reality checks with each other and tell, and tell themselves that we are the best players on this team. We are going to go as far as this team... Are we're, as far as we go is as far as this team is going to go. That's what BJ Boston and Terrence Clark need to be telling themselves, man. But I appreciate you guys if you made it this far, man. As always, shout out to Nuts and Bolts Sports. I just yesterday dropped an article talking about the Gonzaga Bulldogs. If you get a chance, go to Nuts and Bolts Sports. We are at Nuts and Bolts SP, I believe, on both Twitter and Instagram to go check out that article I did on Gonzaga. Of course, I'm a college basketball writer slash blogger slash journalist for Nuts and Bolts Sports, alongside a whole bunch of other really, really super talented writers slash bloggers slash journalists. So please go check us out. We are Nuts and Bolts Sports Media on YouTube. Please go subscribe to us. Go show us love. We're giving you guys daily content on our YouTube from basketball to football to soccer to whatever sports you love, man. I promise you, Nuts and Bolts Sports has it for you. And also, I'm also featured on Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network alongside a whole bunch of other great and sensational sports podcasts. So please go check us out on our sports podcast network as well, man. Of course, this has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And if you listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rate and review. That is how we share, grow, and expand the podcast. You guys be blessed today. I will talk to you guys soon. As always, peace, love, and blessings gone.